Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports. I'm Joe Favorito, and I'm flying solo today as my co-host Tom Richardson is off um, elsewhere doing some other business stuff. We pick up episode here number 101, uh, and it's a topic that we've wanted to talk about, and it's really timely coming off the success of women in the Olympics, but also with the coming soccer season in the United States with the National Women's Soccer League getting started. Uh, One of the more interesting things is growth and expansion and where the franchises are doing well, what the challenges are, where they can go, and more importantly, what the NWSL presents as an opportunity to market and to grow women's sports in the United States. We're lucky today to have Stephanie Lee, the managing director of the Utah Royals, a relocated franchise that's going to take a great opportunity in the Salt Lake City area uh, and try and grow it. And and Stephanie has worked at the NWSL um, with a pretty successful franchise before, now going to Utah, and um, will be ready to kind of take that franchise to another level uh, when it launches in April. Stephanie, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about first your background, um, talking about coming from Seattle, the success that went on in Seattle with the Seattle rain, um, and and why you went to Utah and kind of what the opportunities are, especially with a kind of a ramp up that's been pretty quick, uh, but it looks like is on a path of success when the season opens in April. Yeah, definitely. So I was um, involved in the Seattle rain from 2014 um, to through to, January 2018. Um, I started as an intern. I was a grad student um, in sports management and leadership at the Seattle University and needed to get some intern credits um, while still being able to work full-time. So the opportunity to work, you know, weekends and evenings for the club worked for my life at the time. And I had played soccer growing up, so I knew about the sport and had ended up falling in love with the team and the franchise and the people in the office and um, the mentality that they had of kind of working as hard as they did to support the product on the field. Um, So I stayed in touch with the um, people in the office. And when a position became available for a team admin, they asked if I'd be interested and I applied and I met with Laura and, um, who was the head coach at the time um, of Seattle Rain, and we kind of we hit it off, and she brought me on board as her team admin for two years. Um, in the second year, I started to get more involved in the office side of things, kind of taking on some community relations aspects for the club and some of their kind of camp operations. Um, so then when the third year rolled around and they had an opening for a director of operations, it made sense for me to fit into that role since I was already handling so much of the team operations um, and the camp operations. Um, we added to it the game day operations. So um, I did that role for a year in Seattle, kind of learning um, as much as I could on the office side in addition to what I'd already learned from the team side. Um, and just kind of really loved being involved in both the business and the technical aspect of the sport. It was a really unique position for me to be in. 
Um, and I and I just soaked it up. I loved it. Um, and then so when the opportunity um, came for Salt Lake um, and the franchise that was moving here, um, it needed for me in my life, it needed to be a growth opportunity for my career. It couldn't have been a lateral move for me. I was in a positive place. Um, so when I met with um, the owner here for the Royals and some of the um, Real Salt Lake um, general manager and VP of operations and, and some of their staff, it need, uh, it, they just impressed me with what I could learn um, in this career move and kind of moving over to a new team and kind of starting it from the ground up and learning how they operated and integrating the NWSL into a system that they had already built. Um, so that was, that was the draw for me was the opportunity to learn um, and to kind of help things grow by providing the knowledge that I already had. And let's talk, when people think about the NWSL success stories right now, um, I would say you've got Orlando, Portland, Seattle, uh, but what's happened now with the Royals, from our understanding, moving the franchise from Kansas City in a pretty short period of time, um, has been kind of like uh, the success for what you can do with a relocation. Can you talk a little bit about the amazing numbers that you guys apparently are going to draw for opening uh, for your opening game in April, but also kind of how the brand has come together really, really quickly from November pretty much to now where, you know, all the pieces that you'd need for a franchise, a logo, an identity, a community, um, ticket sales seem to have moved along at a pace that really isn't seen, not just in, in women's soccer in, in the United States, but a lot of times with any kind of franchise relocation. How has that happened, and what are some of the successes that you've seen so far? Yeah, I think we are expecting a sellout crowd for our home opener on the April 14th of 20,000, and uh, we're expecting it to be a packed house of excited people, and we're looking forward to that. And I think strongest success that we've had in that is building on the community that already exists here, both in the city, in the soccer community, and from a Real Salt Lake community. We've got so many uh, soccer groups that are on board, female and young soccer groups that are coming for that home opener and are excited about it. And then there's the, the RSL fan that has branched over and is excited to see what we can put on the field um, from a competitive perspective. And then we've got the business community that um, our owner Deloitte is so involved in and has been instrumental in bringing um, businesses on board and buying tickets for employees and kind of getting people excited about this opportunity of having a women's soccer team on the field. How's the relationship? Um, is it similar to the relationship you had in Seattle with, uh, with the Sounders? And everyone can always point to Portland as kind of the success where one feeds the other. Um, and ha how has that worked out in Salt Lake? And how much easier has it made it to bring the franchise there? Uh, and what are just some of the business benefits that have come from, from the relationship uh, with Rail Salt Lake? Yeah, it, it, ha it has been easy to bring in from a, a technical standpoint, like bringing in players to an existing system that, you know, the field already exists, the stadium already exists. We had to make some, um, make a new locker room that was orientated to the women, but all of that, all of those processes are already in place. 
and Real's been doing it for years. Um, so that was that was definitely um, a piece that was easier. Um, on the business side, um, a lot of what my role is is educating the Real staff on what the NWSL is and who our players are and how we can sell them and what strategies have worked in the past and what we should be aware of and what we need to be careful of because there are quite a few differences from the NWSL who's in its sixth year um, through and versus the MLS who is in its 20th year, 20 something mm-hmm. year. So we were, we're working through those from an organizational perspective um, while still being able to accomplish the goals that the Utah Royals have and keep true to NWSL policies. We've seen a lot of, um, interesting stories come out of the winter Olympics again, uh, especially around the women's hockey team. Um, as, as a female executive in a female sport, what do you think some of the, the, the best practices that come out of the Olympics or come out of the WNBA that should and could be applied to the NWSL now in terms of growth? So if you're looking at uh, um, opportunities or the education that you have to, to put people through, um, when you look for success stories, where do you look and, and what have you seen recently that you think can apply not just to NWSL but to women's sports in general? Yeah, I think that one process that the NWSL is going through now, and the Utah Royals are a great example of that, is a, attaching to successful MLS franchises. If you look mm-hmm. at how the NWA started, that is how you know they were all attached, or majority of them were attached to an NBA team. And it was several years down the road that they broke off um, and became independent on their own. And the NWSL uh, mostly, for the most part, started a little bit of a re- reverse of that. Most of their teams were independent. Um, and then uh, Houston came in, and then Orlando came in, and then now Utah is coming in. And, and, it, and it allows those teams and those franchises to elevate the rest of the league um, and the rest of the groups and the teams. Um, so I think that that is going to be a successful piece um, moving, moving for the NWSL and for women's sports in general, I think the world cup is a huge piece for women's mm-hmm. soccer. If you look at where the league was before the last World Cup when we won, and then you look at it now, it's drastically grown in our international involvement. Previously, when we had World Cup qualifiers, it, which we're in right now in this year, we're in World Cup qualifiers. And the last time we were in that round, it was, when is the U.S. national team going to be gone and what games are they going to miss? And now it's when are the Brazilian teams gone? When are the Australians gone? When are the, is Japan gone? And it's, it's from a global perspective, it had such an effect on the league and the type of players that we have and the competitiveness that we have as a league that this after this next World Cup 2019 in France, it's going to provide us another bump. Regardless of how the women's national team performs, obviously they're going to win gold, but it, it's going to, from a league perspective, um, going to bump us um, in sales and awareness. How, um, when you look at the community in Salt Lake, um, obviously a community that's used to international events with the Olympics, a lot of winter sports. Uh, the Jazz are obviously there. Um, Rail Salt Lake is there. Um, what has been the reception um, from a from a 
business standpoint, but also from a soccer standpoint, bringing a women's team there? Has it been easier, harder, or kind of what you expected coming from Seattle? Um, it's definitely been uh, easier from both a business and a, and a soccer community perspective. Um, you know, when I interviewed for the role, um, one of the just casual questions I asked the owner is, why why do you love Salt Lake so much? And it was, his response was the community. Um, and I've seen that, I've seen the response of the community um, in these last several weeks, both from the business side and from the soccer side. You know, we, we went to a chamber of commerce meeting and walked out with handfuls of organizations saying, I want to come support, I want to buy tickets mm. for my organization and my employees. And we've had numerous soccer groups come out to tour the stadium and see our locker room, and they're just so excited for that home opener to be able to support the team and support the players. And um, from both sides, it's been a lot easier than I anticipated having to uh, worry about awareness. It's, it's not really a worry that I have at the moment. It's translating that awareness into ticket sales, um, which our ticketing team has also been very successful at with the plans for a huge home opener. But the the community has been a huge support from day one, and it's incredible. So as a woman in sports, um, what are some of the things that you're looking for going forward to help the NWSL grow, not just as a business in general, but, but as a, a successful product, not for women only, but for men uh, that, that can help advance women's sports in general beyond where it is now? So what are some of the benchmarks you're looking for uh, in the next couple of years? Is it money? Is it financial support? Is it marketing? Is it branding? What, what are some of the things that need to grow for you to be successful? For the women's teams to grow and be successful, it's, we need to receive more awareness and marketing through, through honestly, through TV is probably the mm -hmm. biggest opportunity. I mean, I've talked a lot about community here in Salt Lake and how we've affected the people that we can reach, but the people beyond Salt Lake and, and across the country are also available to become fans of NWSL and the best way to reach them is through TV. And I think that Lifetime will be a huge help in that. The, mm -hmm. Their first year was very successful last year, and I'm very excited to see how we can work with them in the second year and leverage what they can provide from a national TV standpoint. What about brands? Talk about some of the brands that you saw either in Seattle that engaged with the team or, or some of the brands that have come on board, and how are they engaging differently, say, with um, with the Royals than they would with Rail Salt Lake or any other property? The brands love being a part of something from the beginning. So even here, we're able to pitch them on this is our first year, get on the ground with us now before we, be, before we become this big, giant thing. And, and there's some trust that has to go into that. They have to believe us when we say that we're going to be great and that we're going to win games and you're going to get in front of fans. And we're so successful in that because of the community that resists here in Salt Lake. Even in Seattle, that was also part of the narrative of be a part of something from the beginning. And it's also a narrative of you as an organization want to support women and you want to be part of the equality conversation. Prove it. Support us. Do this for us. 
in, in a way that you also do it for the men. And so I think that that's a huge driving piece for organizations as well. And a reason that they want to be involved is they can back up with action what they say they support. What's, what's your biggest challenge? And just looking at the space in general, uh, as someone marketing a, a distinctly women's property, um, what are some of the frustrations that you've had to deal with both in Seattle and now perhaps even in Utah? That's a good question. That's why we ask it. Okay. Yeah. I think some of the frustrations or some of the challenges that I'm um that I've faced is that the national team players and are obviously huge pieces to who we can market, but we have so many other great players and so many other great aspects to our team that can be marketed. And the challenge, the biggest challenge is getting people to believe that and to Mm -hmm. support that and to do that. I have conversations every day with people here in the staff and this kind of goes back to the, what I said earlier in my role in kind of teaching the staff about the players of, you know, don't come to me and always ask, is Becky available for an interview or can Kelly O'Hara do a, do a photo shoot? What about this player who's been in the league for six years and has won two championships and has a great story or this player who's a rookie and is trying to get her, get in the door and here's a story here. And so I think that that um, getting people to kind of adapt the entire team um, and welcome the entire team and understand the entire team um, is, is something that once we get there, they'll be they'll, we'll be able to be more successful. One of the, um, the things we constantly see now uh, with athletes is creating their own voice. Um, one of the things that I think we've always heard and, and seen is that women's athletes especially are more attuned to helping grow a cause, helping market themselves, being available to do events big and small. Have you seen that? And has that changed? And how does that help you with the team taking athletes who are willing to to kind of create their own voice into a new business? Is it easier? Is it harder? Uh, And are, in fact, the athletes that you have more accessible than you'd see in, um, you know, let's say the Jazz or uh, even Rail Salt Lake or, you know, the Seahawks in Seattle. How important is that accessibility? It's huge. And I think that it, it definitely is something that we can use to our advantage. And I think that, you know, in Seattle, I had Megan Rapinoe who um, kneeled, kneeled during the anthem last year and Mm -hmm. felt that that was an opportunity for her to take a stance. And so, and then here we have, I have Becky Sauerbrunn, who is a huge part of the um, equality conversation with the national team contracts. And it's, and it's examples like that that are important causes to them that allow them to build their brand for things that matter. But they're just as willing to build a brand for things that matter for our club. Obviously, they're going to be true to themselves still, and they're only going to get involved in things that they do support, but they recognize themselves and the business that they have as an individual, and they capitalize on it both for themselves and for the team. And it, and it is easy to have conversations with them about, hey, you've supported this in the past as an individual. We have a sponsor that supports that, and we're trying to have a conversation with them. 
would you want to be involved? And it, it, it definitely is easier to have those conversations when they're open about it from the beginning. The NWSL, you mentioned before, has a tremendous media partner in Lifetime, uh, the second year now, I believe, correct, uh, with the partnership correct, with Lifetime, yeah. which gives national exposure. Um, and you're trying to reach a new audience there. How important is the digital space to you as a marketer? How are you able to use it? Have you seen um, players be able to use it more, whether it's social media, streaming, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram? Um, is, it, is it an aspect that, that is a big part of your marketing strategy, and how does it fit into what you've done now with the Royals? It is a, it is a big part of our strategy strategy of marketing and it does allow us to reach a global market. So one of the one of the things about the streaming that's so important is that our fans across the globe can see, you know, we've got fans because of the players that we have from around the globe, we do have fans around the globe and so them being able to stream and digitally access us is is huge. It just allows us to build the brand and make it that much stronger. And the individual players are super involved on social media as well. Both, you know, for example, Becky and Kelly both have over 400,000 Twitter followers, which is a huge Mm. number. And if you look at, it's higher than any number that our real Salt Lake players have. And so it's, it's an opportunity for us to use their platform and their support to build our brand and ultimately they recognize that if the Utah Royals are successful then that will help women's soccer be successful which will in turn help them be successful so we're stages enough and they're smart enough to understand that and they're willing to work with us on that we see more and more athletes being involved in cause you touched on some of the things that you dealt with in Seattle Um, we're as I mentioned before we're coming off a tremendously successful national women's hockey team winning the gold medal uh, in Korea at the Olympics. They really kind of took a stand last year for equal pay, and that was supported by the women's national women's soccer team. Julie Foudy was very much involved in helping kind of get them started in their quest for, for equal pay and whether or not they were going to play in the world championship last year. Um, how do you support causes for your players? Are there things that you worry about that the people are out there too much? And then especially being in a new community in what's really kind of a conservative environment, uh, do you worry that, that players can go out on a limb and it can affect the brand there as a, as a startup? So how do you kind of play that balance and how important is cause um, to your players and to, to the business that you're running right now? I think that – Player individual causes are important, but inevitably there will come a time when they might conflict with an organizational cause or an organizational message. And I think the important thing to note is that while we might support the player, we don't necessarily support the cause. And I think mm-hmm. that that's an important distinction that the public doesn't always understand. Um, and it's, and it's tough to communicate and it is a tough position to be in if you ever come across that. But I think that the way to do that is to understand that supporting the player and the individual does not necessarily mean you support the causes they support. I think that some of the ways that 
you can counterbalance that as an organization is to work with a company that the player may not necessarily support individually. And that would show that as an organization, you kind of don't support that cause. And I'm trying, and I'm being generic because I don't want to mm-hmm. bring up any specific examples because it's, it's just a tough, the tough situation to be in, but you will inevitably be in it. And I think that that's how you manage that is the conversation of support a player versus tough balance sometimes. Um, it just is. to remind everyone, yeah. it's really kind of you know it's an interesting balance, um, especially being in a new community where you may not know you know obviously you can take some of the examples that Rail Salt Lake has had, but you, you may not know kind of all the nuances. Um, in a community like Salt Lake City, which is is definitely a little bit different uh, and maybe not as outgoing or or as progressive as some other communities people may may think of. So um, we're going to go on, Stephanie, to a couple of questions. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I was going to say it's the reverse as well, too. You know, I've had instances where the organization has brought on a sponsor um, or a company that took specific stances on an issue that a player mm-hmm. disagreed with. And so that player did not want to be involved with that sponsor, didn't want to send out a tweet for them, didn't want to kind of show support of it. So it's a two-way street also. And so right. it, as an organization in doing business, there are things that you have to do um, that the player may not support. So it, it, the smart players also recognize that as well. And it's in its, working together and having clear communication with your players. Great. Uh, just to remind everyone, we're talking to Stephanie Lee, the Managing Director of the Utah Royals of the National Women's Soccer League here on the CUSP Show. I'm Joe Favorito, flying solo today for my uh, co-host, Tom Richardson, who's off playing in the snow somewhere probably. But um, <laughs> Stephanie, we'd like to ask a couple questions uh, because we have a lot of students who listen. Um, how do you stay smart on the business in general, in, in whether it's a business of sports, a business of marketing, who are some of the people you read, you follow, you listen to? And then the second question is, having come from an intern and worked your way up, what's some of the advice that you give to people who are looking to break in, whether they are looking for a new career or just starting out? So first of all, how do you stay smart on what it is um, that you need to know? Who do you listen to? And then what advice do you give to people? Yeah, um, I love um, the, I feel like right now what's popular is the kind of summary email newsletters. Um, I, I receive a few of those um, from kind of different um, different departments and different subjects, but the one regarding the sports that um, is the daily read for me is the front office sports newsletter. It wow. Kind of summarizes. Okay. Shout out for front office sum- sports. There you go. <laughs> summarizes and um kind of synopsis top stories um, and allows me just to kind of quick read through that. Um, and I listen to podcasts um, and kind of just, just like this one and learn mm-hmm. through hearing other people's experiences and through their stories. I think um, and then, from and the, the advice from, side, no, the yeah, advice side, the advice, what do you tell people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The advice side is um, I think work hard. Um, that it's always, in my experience, always been noticed. Um, and I notice when I see other people working hard, it's, it's something that speaks volumes. Um, work If you can just head down, grind it out. And I think the another piece is to take a chance. I 
you know, in taking the role that I did at Seattle Rain, it wasn't something I ever thought I would be. Um, but so it showed me a different side of sports that I ended up loving and kind of brought me to where I am. And then I took a chance in coming to Salt Lake and, and moving, you know, m- miles away from my family and from everything that I knew in Seattle. So it's paid off so far. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to what is to come in the future for it. One other thing I wanted to ask, um, mentorship. Uh, it sounds like that you've kind of built uh, a little bit of a network for people that you're helping out as you've kind of grown. Did you have a mentor coming into the business? And then, and who do you kind of go to when, you know, you have those kind of rainy days trying to figure out, you know, which end is up? Yeah, I I have a few mentors. Uh, my mentors are are definitely people that I, I know in person I'm and people that I can reach out to and kind of walk through a scenario with. Funnily enough, they're not sports-related. They're either previous supervisors that I had or um, friends that have been in um, kind of a high-level positions as well and w- other women that I know that are driven and confident and, you know, get stuff done and that who are going to guide me through a tough situation that I would need or just let me vent or um, mm-hmm. provide me with the guidance to kind of, you know, take things to the next level for me. Great. And then uh, lastly, uh, where can people follow the Royals and yourself, um, whether it's on social media um, where are some of the places you'd like to have people if people want to know more about what's going on uh, as you kind of launch the franchise uh, with the NWSL in the, the coming month in the early spring? Where should people be following? Absolutely. They can follow the Utah Royals FC um, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and the, all of the details for streaming our games are through those avenues as well. Uh, Stephanie Lee, Managing Director of the Utah Royals of the NWSL, thanks for joining us on the CUSP show. Uh, And we're looking forward to following the success, not just at the beginning of the season, but all the way through and the continued growth of the NWSL. It's really important for the people in the business that the NWSL succeed. So once once again, you've been listening to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports. Today we learned about the growth of the NWSL and and the coming success of the Utah Royals. Once again, thanks, Stephanie Lee, joining us, Managing Director of the Utah Royals. This is Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson. We'll see you along the track. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and the host is Joe Favorito. My production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the cusp show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.